0: We want the dynamite from the post recent site you lighting up the fuse Sit back and enjoy the bubbly This we hear from John and Wayne Tate Where we're going, we don't need roads And if the buck stops, here, yeah, this thing might blow Everything you hear are opinions of the show And if you don't like it, go to the Forbes and let them know
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special Saturday night edition of Rewind to Dynamite. I am John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. How are you, Wei? Are you ready for the Saturday night wars? Do you think you could handle this every Jesus week?
0: Jesus Christ! How about a war every single night of the week?
1: Yeah, you don't just you don't just <laughs> take a night off. You you have to be battling every night of the week. Why not Why not Saturdays? Why not M-
0: multiple y- y- shows, multiple times a day, every single day of the week?
1: I. I couldn't have imagined if this had ended up being in like a UFC pay-per-view night. Like that just kind of was, been. but I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So tonight was crazy. Uh, thankfully, uh, <laughs> thankfully, Oh man. Imagine
0: if G1 was this weekend too.
1: I'm not kidding. Like that, that definitely crossed my mind. I mean, it wasn't going to be this year, but certainly like on a normal year, a non Olympic year, it, could, it very well could have been, um, After what we went through last year. But yeah, I I was saying to you earlier tonight, I'm really glad we were not doing this show during the Nitro Raw era. Like, I I don't know how we would have done that. But the idea of watching both shows on Monday nights would not have been appealing to me after maybe a week.
0: I mean, I think, you know, something eventually would have to give either like we would not be able to do the shows as timely as, as we're doing them now, splitting them up. Or I think ultimately, like, our reviews would suffer because I don't think we'd be able to, like, have as maybe as deep of a look as, at either show, Um, having to basically watch, like, that much more stuff and talk about that much more stuff.
1: Maybe we'd get to the end of 99, early 2000, and then we'd uh we'd task Davy and Braden with uh, taking over Nitro.
0: Oh, that sounds fair to me.
1: <laughs> well, we have lots to discuss tonight. And we are going to be going through dynamite first. And then uh, I've seen all of takeover way. What of takeover have you seen so far
0: seen the ladder match? I've seen Pat McAfee versus Adam Cole. And I've I've seen most of the main event. So I can speak a little bit about some of those, but uh, you know, uh, at this point, a quick plug for uh, Braden and Davey, of course, doing great work over at up next this entire weekend. Uh, You can listen to their post show right now. And if you really wanted to, you can even go back and watch along with them as they're watching NXT TakeOver on their YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Uh And just a, another plug for those guys. Tomorrow, they will be doing a SummerSlam watch-along. So if you subscribe right now, it's all for free. Watch SummerSlam. Forget the Thunderdome virtual crowd. The only crowd you need is a crowd you can hear from, and that'll be the BDE. So uh, quick plug and shout out to those guys.
1: And a tailgate
0: tomorrow. Exclusively for their patrons. So yeah, uh, if you wanted. to get drunk before uh nxt you know what this year you won't even have to worry about getting a designated driver you'll be at the comfort of your own home through through a zoom call uh with other nxt patrons or up next patrons and enjoy that with those guys again patreon.com slash up next for that
1: yes i i cannot imagine what what state those guys will be in come uh braun Strowman versus the falls count
0: anywhere uh you know um they'll be in their own firefly House. i bet
1: yes yes it will be uh Falls everywhere with, with those <laughs> two, maybe by, by that particular time. But go check all of that stuff out, youtube.com slash upnext, patreon.com slash upnext. Uh, we're not going to do a uh, typical news segment here, although maybe later we'll just uh, quickly go through uh, some of the headlines. But we're, we're going to dive into AEW Dynamite, special Saturday night edition. And Wei, how, how did you watch everything tonight? What was your kind of order of watching things this evening? How did it go?
0: Uh, dynamite, it was the thing I watched first and, uh, it was the thing that I tried to watch earlier, um, because they did advertise a 6 PM start time. Unfortunately, that was not the case because the, what is it? Uh, Miami heat and, uh, was it Pacers? Yes. That game went went on late. So we couldn't even start until 6:30, and that pretty much like went right into the takeover, um, kickoff, didn't it?
1: Yeah. My, my plan was I was going to start, uh, AEW at six And I was kind of curious what they were going to do because TSN here in Canada was going to air the 6 o'clock showing was going to be online on their app or on TSN.ca. So they technically did not have to wait for the NBA game to end. Uh, They were just going to be airing it online. However, I would imagine that there was probably an agreement in place that you cannot start the show until the American feed starts. That would be my guess because, I mean, they were even saying that uh, it would start after the basketball game because they probably don't want people uh, in Canada tweeting 30 minutes ahead.
0: Well, I ended up watching it on TSN.ca and they basically picked up the TNT feed. So that's how I imagine it really works. It's probably starts off from TNT and like, you know, even most weeks it broadcasts Mm. likely from TNT. And so therefore TSN probably wouldn't have much of a say about that.
1: Well, there you go. Uh, so I ended up, my, my plans changed, like once 6.30 hit, I just started watching TakeOver, and I just watched the entire thing through, and then watched Dynamite afterward, and uh, then was trying to watch some of the UFC before you called, so uh, it was a very, very busy night. But let's get into uh, Dynamite. Uh, we had Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Taz on the call, and immediately, we are not wasting any time. FTR is in the ring, private party's in the ring, the bell rings, and FTR has
0: a new manager. It you know all felt really abrupt and but you know the understanding of uh, it, it makes sense you know you're capitalizing on a huge huge lead in with the NBA playoff game. How did you feel about the selection of FTR versus Private Party as the as the match?
1: Um, I I mean it was fine it, to me as I said the other night. I think that the I, I would have gone with Omega and the Bucks first, uh, and me I don't too. think I, I don't think the placement uh, would have affected the. Th- this show and how it was laid out mm-hmm. um, that would have been my choice uh, as the one to kick things off i think the bucks and omega uh, i think that there would at least be a familiarity uh, with them and you're going to get i mean they had a phenomenal six-man tag as well so i i you know i, I don't think it was a major difference but i would have gone with the six man definitely
0: I think I would have too. I mean, you know, this match was a perfectly good match uh, as well. So I think if, as a sampling of for a casual non AEW viewer of like what AEW has to offer, this was good. But I, I, I do feel like you know, with I think the having basically you know the Bucks and Kenny as a representative of what AEW has to offer to me might have been um, you know stronger. Um, they, they are certainly like a part of the promotional material a whole lot more than private party or FTR. And therefore I'm just thinking about, you know, again, the non AEW fan tuning into the product for the first time, would they end up uh, with a better impression of, you know, what AEW represents if they saw the elite versus, you know, this match. Um, Ultimately, I don't know if it matters all that much. Like, you know, this was a good match. It was not like it was a bad one. And if somebody was curious enough to stick around to watch the wrestling, um. And this probably stood a decent chance.
1: I really liked the match. Uh, it went 12 minutes, 52 seconds. And it was, you know, FTR really showing for 12 minutes and 52 seconds. What a dynamic tag team. These two guys are, they are just so enjoyable to watch doing traditional tag wrestling with all of their tricks. And, I thought it really worked with, like, Private Party. I thought this was one of Private Party's uh, better matches, but it was clear that FTR were really the stars of this. Um, they they would cut off the ring. Uh, they caught Mark Quinn with this double clothesline when Wheeler was selling on the apron. Then Quinn got tossed out of the ring by Harwood, and Wheeler misses and crashes on the guardrail. Cassidy gets the hot tag, and then they try to go for the slingshot suplex. Uh, Harwood does, and that's avoided. There's a pair of leapfrogs ending with a spinebuster by Wheeler. Cassidy breaks up a cover, and then they catch Mark Quinn with the goodnight express. Harwood gets the cover, and they note that FTR improves to 6-0. and uh, But the big story here is that Tully Blanchard is officially with FTR. Why officially? Because he got a goddamn
0: jacket made. That's how you can tell, you know, when they, attire- when they invest money in creating a tire um you know this isn't just a one week thing you spend money on a jacket i mean you could you you can expect an association of at least a couple months i think uh you know really hot opening match ftr like it's so interesting because like they're such a grounded style but they work so well i would say they work even better with high flyers than they do with like other types of tag teams because of that contrast and uh, it was no different here with private party i i think when i started watching this match i was a little bit um, caught off guard just seeing Tully there because what that represents to me is that last week we did in fact see an official heel turn from FTR. They worked this entire match as heels, aligned themselves with a clear heel in Tully Blanchard. Um, and to me, it felt like we were missing sort of like a step in between of them explaining the the, the thing. And we would eventually get it on this show. But I, I felt like, you know, whether it be, on, unless I missed something online or something like that, but like a scene of them talking about, you know, why they attacked rather than, you know, just seeing the match first to me would have felt less rushed.
1: Uh, well, we'll get to that. I mean, they did they did fill that gap uh, later in, in the show. Um, but yeah, uh, certainly just the fact this started so quickly. And then you're also playing catch up here of uh, of Tully and his affiliation now with FTR. They go to John Moxley from earlier in the day. He calls MJF's campaign amusing and fun TV, and he missed the good stuff. You really should have spoken to my wife. She's got tons of material you could use on me. Uh, People who feel the need to talk about themselves really irritate Moxley. And where he comes, the toughest guys don't have to say much. And MJF, you talk a lot. So what is it that you're hiding? You're talented in every way. And I want this company to to succeed for decades. And if you're going to be the guy that's on top for the next 25 years... Well, that's great. I'm not going to last that long. I'll be lucky if I last another 18 months. One day, MJF, you'll move out of your parents' basement. One day, you'll lose your virginity. And one day, you'll become AEW champion. But that day is not September 5th. I'm going to beat the hell out of you. I'm going to headbutt you. I'm going to split your skull with my own skull. I'm going to dump you on your head. And the world will find out what it is that you're hiding when we're deep into our match and i'm in all my glory
0: what a great promo here from john moxley i thought it was really good um earlier this morning i listened to like a very long interview he did with uh um dave and and garrett on a um, wrestling observer um and you know he talked about how like in AEW they they have no scripts of course and they just improvise or at least you know have a very loose like they create their own promos and yeah, that's that's been one of the great things I think about um all of AEW's promos and in particular John Moxley's. I think in some ways though there are negatives in that sometimes they feel a little bit rambly. This one w- w- wasn't wasn't really so bad but like definitely at times I you you get the sense that he's just kind of almost like even making it up as he's going along. And um for me like they're they're very good. But I, I do also feel like when it comes to John Moxley promos, a, a lot of times he's just kind of told out there to almost generically speak trash without really any storyline points attached to it. Um, and we'll contrast this with, you know, MJF's promo that has a clear storyline purpose to it. With Moxley, often he's just told to go out there. You have an opponent. Uh, talk about why you want to beat him up. And it's usually very entertaining. But um, what I do kind of miss, you know, from it is just like sort of a point and purpose to the promo
1: you mean like addressing what mjf has outlined either that John.
0: Or, or like you know um like himself like specifically pointing out something that has a, a larger effect on the storyline uh
1: yeah i mean i thought this was just kind of like his most serious promo in response to, to mjf and i think at the end of this like you want to see these guys fight by by the end of this um and yeah i i i i feel with these two it's you know you're pretty much going just on the promos and i think you get that one big promo from moxley kind of going into all out which is only a couple of weeks away um does this feel to you like it's a big title match yet or is this kind of feeling like some of other uh, moxley's other matches where they're there they're the title match but it's Brody Lee was at a certain level. Jake Hager was at a certain level. Is this higher than those for you?
0: It's definitely higher than those ones. And in fact, like in that same interview on uh, wrestling observer, he talks about how, um, those programs, he's really had to, they really had to rush. Um, and this one was, is different because they actually have a, a good amount of time to really build it up. Um, does it feel like it's, you know, the main event of this particular show? I, I'm. I mean, I guess we don't even have the whole card yet, so I can't really say. But at the moment, I, I think it does. Uh, and I think much of that, you know, will come down to NJF's like, work. And um, the amount of, like, great promos he's going to cut and the story and elements that he'll kind of uh, give. It's perhaps missing, like, you know, the big kind of heat-getting segment. Which we've had great promos, but, like, nothing that intense physically just yet. So um, they may, may have time to, to do that.
1: We come back and it's MJF surrounded by his team. And he lists off Genghis Khan, Fidel Castro, and Napoleon. All homicidal maniacs, but all pale in comparison to Dictator John. And MJF is in a neck brace after taking the paradigm shift. He was hit from behind because Moxley is gutless. And there are consequences And throughout this whole thing, it was so distracting to have Nina smiling behind him the entire time, looking off
0: into the distance. I think she was trying to convey somebody who, like, didn't MJF tell her to make sure she was smiling or something to that
1: effect? It's done,
0: yeah, Yeah. it's like the purpose of the gag, but it's still very uh, distracting. So she's basically smiling like she's a hostage who is forced to smile. And um, I mean, I thought of really fun little detail. He said one day he wants to play with his kids and he won't be able to play catch with them because he
1: took the paradigm shift, which he calls an abomination. And then he passes it over to his attorney, Mark Sterling, who says the paradigm shift is a dangerous move, possibly deadly. And it could have ended MJF's career. And he has put up a petition to ban the move and has already received five million signatures and he has drawn up a contract to ban the move at all out and all moxley has to do is sign it and he knows he will because mox is a badass he doesn't have to rely on one move and if you don't sign it i will sue you our law firm has never lost we'll take all of your possessions and max will take your
0: title i love this angle i love the segment uh it's really old school and what I love especially about it is the fact that it just like adds a different wrinkle to the match itself, and you know um, immediately like helps you set up a story um, that the babyface has to overcome within the body of the match, adding giving him a handicap. Um, I, this lawyer was fantastic, Mark Sterling. Yeah, oh, he, he, was, he was great.
1: He was pretty great. Everything you want out of a out of a lawyer, like a just uh, an asshole. Mm-hmm. He played it to the tilt here. Like this, this would actually be great if <laughs> Moxley comes up with a new finisher that's like so much more devastating and drops this guy, and he's he's
0: got to walk around in like a wheelchair for three months. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, maybe that's why he brought brought over the dodge pile driver.
1: That that could be it as well. Um, At least for an airfall,
0: you know, because he's going to have to do a bunch of things other than the the paradigm shift.
1: And go after the neck uh, of MJF as well. So this was great. I-, I like both promos from from these two. I think this is, uh, this program is coming ar- along really nicely. And next week, the contract signing. Love if there's something, signings. if there's something I want to do away with permanently, uh, that I will get five million signatures to back up. It's banning contract signings.
0: Wow, five million. You might you you'll get that
1: easily. Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, Dustin Rhodes, and QT Marshall took on The Butcher, The Blade, The Phoenix, and The Penta. Uh, eight-man tag, the heels attack before the introductions, and my god, they they went to the sound mixer way, and they just cranked this thing to the absolute highest it would go, and then I think they forced it even more.
0: You know, compared to like previous week, like last week, of course, and then like all the other live weeks, I think it's it's definitely better. Are you suggesting, John, that they went overboard this week? I'm saying that there is
1: sweetening. Uh, this would be diabetic. Okay, that's <laughs> that's what they did tonight. Okay, My ears <laughs> had cavities. Exactly. Uh, it was also like super dark outside. Did you see like how late they? Uh, unless the sun's going down earlier now. But
0: this, this to me it was is, inefficient. This was AEW dark. Uh, so they would have taped this the day after, correct? The Thursday. Yes. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, I do notice it getting a little bit darker even here. So I wonder if that's the case. It was going
1: to get really dark in the main event, so stay tuned. Uh, Dustin got tagged in. They got the heat on Dustin in the corner. Phoenix uh, did the spin off the top rope, comes down, striking Dustin. Uh, Jungle Boy had had his Grand Metalik moment where he went for a suicide dive to butcher. He did not make any contact here, like barely uh, grazed the Butcher. So he just got right back up, hit one to Phoenix on the other side, and then a Topicon Hero onto Butcher and the Blade. This this dude doesn't stop for anything.
0: Oh my god, no.
1: Um, well, he's young. They recover fast. Yep. Uh, there was a spinning wheel kick by Luchasaurus onto Pentagon, followed by a chokeslam and standing moonsault. Like, just all insanity here. QT comes in, hits the diamond cutter on Butcher, and then there's a twisting DDT by Jungle Boy onto Pentagon. Pentagon then deliver uh, goes to give Dustin a back body drop, and the idea was Dustin would take this back body drop and end it with a Canadian Destroyer on Phoenix. So just imagine that, and then think of all that could go wrong, and that's what this was.
0: It's very ambitious.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of ambition going around in professional wrestling of late. Um, Pentagon and then Blade start arguing, and then Pentagon shoves the Blade into the roll-up, And the Jungle Boy gets the roll-up
0: on the Blade for the win. Yeah, uh, you know, really crazy, fast style of match. Um, Hit and miss. Yeah, you know, I'll say, like, because the styles of matches on this particular show were all relatively similar. I mean, main event aside, I suppose, but, like, all these multi-man matches, they're all, like, you know, that indie style where everybody is going incredibly fast. Um, by the end of it, a match like this to me, was a bit of a blur. Um, jungle boy definitely stood up, but I can't really like, I, I don't know if I would say the same for like too many of the other people. Um, but you know, to me, of course, what stood up the most at the end of it all was, was just the, the angle that they shot.
1: Yeah. So that was kind of the big focus here. Butcher and the blade start arguing with the Lucha brothers and then Eddie Kingston comes out and he tells them all to chill. He said, we were all on the Indies suffering, now we're on TNT. And asks both teams why they aren't tag champions. They're better than all the other teams. They only lose when they're divided. And then, he said, words to live by. You, you're the butcher. He calls Pentagon the craziest luchador. Him and the Blade have paid all the dues. And everyone knows the last due is death. He respects and calls Phoenix one of the best luchadors ever ever he tells them all come with me and they have a group hug and then eddie kingston winks at the camera this guy was great
0: so great i mean it's our first time seeing him since the uh since i guess he officially signed a contract with a with aew um at least on dynamite unless he's done dark stuff i'm not sure but it the fact that they are putting him immediately in a role like this as the leader of a faction it's really good to see aew like make the most use that they can out of somebody of his talents it'll not only elevate Kingston of course but I think it'll ultimately help elevate Butcher and the Blade and even Penta and Phoenix um does this tell you that Pac may not be coming back anytime soon
1: um it it means that they're not I guess holding their breath for it but um yeah I guess they're just kind of moving forward here
0: um with Eddie Kingston in this role and would you expect any other team or any other people to to be a part of the faction like this or is five a good number
1: i guess so i mean it's it's yet another faction that we're introducing here and i mean on the one hand i mean it does give instead of having all these loose parts it kind of gives like the new japan you have Mm -hmm. your identity through your faction it's just it's a lot of them there's a lot of mouthpieces on this on this show and you know, you could argue for the longest time we talked about how necessary managers were that they serve such a great function. And here in in this company, it's almost like they have gone to the extreme. You may have too many, even though they're very good talkers, but it's there's just so many of them. And you're not seeing a Vicky Guerrero get uh, screen time and you're not seeing Jake Roberts. Uh, every single week and now you've got Tully in a much more prominent role and now you have Kingston here and Taz and Arn. it's it's just a lot
0: when you go through all of them I think Kingston might be a different case though because he's also a competitor uh who just you know happens to be a great promo that can you know help speak for some of the other teams um you might be able to make the argument that it you know AEW just has like a, a bloated roster period and um I I think Phoenix being
1: in the role he's in is very much evidence of that. I mean, here's a guy that is, you know, I wouldn't say lost in the shuffle, but he is someone to me that is, you know, number one, he's a heel at the moment, which is a tough role, I think, for Phoenix to be in, uh, given
0: this guy might be the most spectacular person on your roster. I don't disagree. Um, You know, I also feel like the the Lucha brothers definitely aren't in the spotlight right now, but... But I feel like if you want to pull that trigger, they can do it relatively easily. And I certainly see like if it's not going to be at the end of this year, like a year from now or whenever they want, Phoenix being like a top baby face in the company if they wanted to.
1: Britt Baker was with Rebel uh, working out and Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford are making out and Baker warns them of cavity causing bacteria from human saliva exchange and offers them free dental care for a year if they help her with Big Swole, because Big Swole wanted a match with her, but didn't say what type of match. So Baker is suggesting a handicap match, and as well, Reba will do your makeup for a year. And this is what convinces Ford to accept this uh, this idea for a handicap match.
0: She doesn't care about the dental care, but cares about the makeup. That's right, yes. And Kip Sabian just wants to go back to making out. I mean, that's pretty much the extent of their characters at the moment.
1: That is it. Tony Schiavone is in the ring and brought out Orange Cassidy with the best friends. This was promoted as uh, Orange Cassidy's big uh, in-ring interview segment, and the man didn't say a word. Before he can get a wor- uh, anything out, Jericho walks out and congratulates Cassidy because since Dynamite began, he's only been pinned three times, and one of them was to you last week. He says that Cassidy... The guy who put his hands in his pockets, well, he's proud of Orange. He proved that he is learning from him and has the heart and desire and courage to be a main event star here in AEW. Jericho notes that they have each won one match, therefore they need to have a third. And he notes that he was the one who created the Money in the Bank ladder match. And therefore, he has come up with a new creation. The Mimosa Mayhem Match. And so we get a video of what exactly is a Mimosa Mayhem match. Well, it is where you take 80 gallons of orange juice mixed with 500 cases of the bubbly. And the only way you can win is by pinfall, submission, or being tossed into the 80 gallons of liquid. That is the Mimosa Mayhem match. And Orange Cassidy was asked, do you accept? He put the thumbs up and well that is our match for all out uh for Jericho and Orange Cassidy
0: yeah uh a mimosa mayhem match <laughs> i think is uh i i mean the name alone i think is brilliant you know combining the two liquids that both men are known for <laughs> into a not just a drink but a match type um i i mean it's it's almost too perfect so uh to uh, I I mean it, it, they needed a rubber match, and I think to to make it special, you needed to add a certain stipulation, and I suppose the the gag of like mixing the two drinks was too hard to pass up, and so you have this. I think it it'll be a you know good way to like advertise something a bit more of a a spectacular for a pay per view. To me, like um, it does kind of telegraph the finish, although I think like that's not even such a bad thing, because it's hard for me to see them like making orange cassidy take the vat of mimosas but it's a lot me- more more easier for me to see that they will have like you know jericho who's like the laughable heel take it uh but again that's not a bad thing i think it'll be a great way to cement orange cassidy's push here yes i just want to know c- could you
1: imagine hey chris uh tyson's not going to be available at the pay-per-view <laughs> what the fuck we <laughs> shot this angle what the fuck am i going to do it all out have a goddamn mimosa on a pole match? Wait a minute.
0: <laughs> uh, possibly, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure he he probably came up with this thing. So, I uh, he I'm sure he he'd be happy either way. Does Tyson
1: knock out Jericho into the vat of mimosa?
0: Maybe Tyson is waiting in the vat of mimosa with like a with scuba gear the whole time. There you go. Um. Yeah. Have you ever had a mimosa? I have not. No. I feel like I have. It's a breakfast drink. It's one of those uh, acceptable alcoholic beverages you could drink in the morning.
1: I I hate champagne. I'm not I'll drink it if I have to if I'm at a wedding and it's just customary, but I would imagine I would like a mimosa more than I would. I do like orange juice, but I I've never had the combination. I'm not I'm not one of those that uh orders alcoholic drinks for breakfast. It's just
0: You weird... can mix orange juice with anything. I think it's... You can call it breakfast. <laughs> I guess so,
1: yeah. that's uh, It's carte blanche. <laughs> uh, the inner circle surround the ring, and Jericho wants to uh, give them a toast. And then he gets this look in his eyes. Get them, boys. <laughs> I mean, this was right out of a cartoon. And they all attack the best friends and Cassidy. The Judas effect is hit on Cassidy. And then they hold him upside down and they basically waterboard him with champagne i mean this was like an uncomfortable dousing of multiple bottles of champagne um onto orange cassidy who there is no one that sells a beating that this man is like a millimeter away from flatlining than orange cassidy like he sells these beatdowns
0: significantly better than anyone else he's very talented yeah at the same time man i don't imagine this being very comfortable at all and that he, i don't know how much he would have had to act for something like this this sucked like oh, it's,
1: it, it the worst part is that the viewer at home is oh look they're they're throwing champagne on him it's like dude you get on uh, uh, un- first of all any liquid going down your nose at that yeah. angle sucks and this is champagne and dude, it was tons that they were pouring on this guy's yeah. head, so it was it felt extremely
0: uncomfortable, and th- this was an effective beatdown. I certainly like didn't you know ha- get the comedic uh, feeling from this, and I thought that was like I felt this was pretty brutal, and and you know um, I think it's important to note like the distinction between something like this and what they did with the inner circle with the with the orange juice falling on top of them. Like, it's easy to make this sort of, like, you know, juice or champagne thing comedic and embarrassing. But while, like, what Orange Cassidy did to the inner circle was clearly, like, a funny gag. Oh, look, his jacket's ruined. Ha ha ha. They're slipping on a banana peel. All that stuff. This this angle was way more violent. It was five guys ganging up on one dude, drowning him in liquid. And it certainly made me feel a lot more sympathetic for the baby face than, you know, I would have for, of course, like, uh, the inner circle.
1: It was a good angle to set it up, and I think, yeah, you get the big visual of someone getting tossed into the 80 gallons. 80 gallons. 80 gallons. Um, What did they do with the liquid after? Um, hand them out to the, the fans. <laughs> Have your own
0: Jericho-soaked mimosa. Yeah, a certain amount per pod. It's part of the ticket. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Kenny,
1: Omega, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks against Alex Reynolds, John Silver, and Allen Angels. Uh, they were constantly plugging throughout the show that they are on Thursday night this week, which, I mean, th- this is a confusing couple of weeks, I would say, of just uh, shifting things around. I'm very curious to see how tonight does for AEW.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm curious too. And, and for me, it's like... It's it's the TNT, it's the NBA effect, it's the effect of it going later than usual, and it's also I think the NXT effect. Like how much of, of you know your typical AEW audience would have decided to flip over to take over this week? Because I feel personally, take over poses uh, bigger competition than, of course, your typical edition of NXT. Uh, this match is great. Uh, Omega
1: had the uh, the suction cup marks on his right shoulder, so don't know if he's dealing with something there but uh nick jackson and alan a- alan angels was fantastic in this match he he got to shine uh, significantly in this uh he was in with nick jackson at the start uh matt came in did his rolling northern light suplexes then did a double version to silver and reynolds before they triple teamed angels uh reynolds held up a chair that silver kicked into omega and then there was a double stomp follow-up by angels onto the chair underneath uh, on top of omega Nick did this bulldog to Alex Reynolds that was met with a sit out drop kick from Matt and then Reynolds and silver double teamed Omega. He fires back with the Snapdragons tags in Matt. And then something I don't think I've ever seen before <laughs> the dark order. They reverse these tombstone uh, attempts and we get a tombstone on top of <laughs> there's a tombstone to Matt on top of Nick
0: yeah so um i tomb- oh,
1: sorry other way around nick got got uh tombstoned on top of matt
0: yeah so basically they yeah um one guy drove another man's head into his brother's body
1: yes uh crazy angels then came off the turnbuckle with a moonsault into a double super kick uh, they had risen from the dead from the tombstone spots. And then Nick did a flip dive to the floor. Omega hoists up Nick, uh, Nick for an assisted indie taker. And then we got, <laughs> what have I been waiting for? The one wing Alan Angel for the win by Kenny.
0: You've been Yes, of course. Uh, there you go. Yeah. You did this the- match
1: was awesome. I thought this was just nonstop. And I think I 100% would have started the show with this.
0: It was a really fun match, and you know, gave you a sense of like the really good chemistry that um, the Bucks have have had with uh, uh, Reynolds and, and Silver. Um, these, these three Dark Order guys are great. Yeah, they're fantastic. Um, so you know, it's um, it's nice to see that like, despite them kind of being like the lackeys in the in the group and on PTE, they're allowed to wrestle like serious competitors in ring. Um, And I don't think it affects their characters at all. Like it's people just ultimately want to like see good entertaining matches.
1: Omega gets the pinfall and then he's yelling at angels who's down on the mat. Then he goes to get a chair. He sets it upside down and he goes to power bomb this guy onto the onto the legs of the chair. Matt moves the chair out of the way. Kenny is snapping and they're trying to talk him off the ledge.
0: Yes, so I kind of forget the story here. Has Kenny been like telling this heel turn story? Well, they're saying you know they're teasing or is it, it starting on starting right now. Uh, they
1: they've been teasing it for for a bit now, and you know dropping the things like you know people wanted the cleaner Kenny Omega, and he's starting to and he's starting to snap, and he's doing these these post match attacks like he did with uh Marco Stunt a few weeks ago, and now right. with Alan Angels. That's so, right.
0: Yes, yes. He's there. You go.
1: It's outside the spirit of competition once the match ends that he is taking things too far. Alex Marvez was with FTR and Tully Blanchard and they promote that on Thursday there's going to be a gauntlet tag match to determine the title challengers at All Out and it's been set up based on the rankings. The fourth ranked Natural Nightmares will take on the third ranked Young Bucks. The winner of that match takes on the number two ranked Best Friends and the winner of that takes on the number one ranked FTR Wheeler says they want to be the best Blanchard said that the best need the gold and we are learning from the best and it was that line that really hit a nerve with FTR and they've brought Blanchard on board Tully says that what they need to do is get from almost almost being the tag champions almost being the best to becoming the best and everyone else will look up at you that is where FTR is destined for And Hangman Page then stumbles in, and he accuses Dax Harwood of faking a knee injury and attacking Ricky Morton. And FTR tries to calm him down. They hand him a beer. They say that the Rock and Roll Express had nothing to do with Hangman. That was our personal business. And on our tag team appreciation night, they turned our back on us, and they had to do that. And Dax then explains, I had to fake the knee injury, because after all those years of shit talking from the Young Bucks, I had to see if they trusted us. And when I injured my knee, it was you that helped me to the back. They said that when Hangman Page and Omega beat the Bucks uh, back in February, you leaped out of the Bucks' shadow when you did it all on your own, and all of that could be undone if they beat you at all out. We have the utmost respect for you, and... They're going to face off next week in this gauntlet match. And they're basically talking Paige into basically uh, want to face them instead of the Young Bucks.
0: Yeah, it continues sort of like um, the rift that Paige is going on between uh, he and and the elite. And, you know, at this point, FTR firmly uh, separating themselves from the Young Bucks and wanting to but wanting to pull Paige onto their side as I mean, as opponents in the future, but ultimately for, like, I guess the, the respect and sanctity of te- pure tag team wrestling is, is the sense that I get. Um, I First of all, I love the fact that, like, you know, because of this ranking system, like, AEW can do a gauntlet match that makes sense, that doesn't have to rely on, um, you know, random order. Like, I love the idea that it's three and four versus and then the winner gets on to face number two and then to, to number one. It's it gives people a reason to, you know, want to be ranked above somebody else, other than, you know, eventually going for a championship. I guess it does beg the question, why doesn't the first ranked team get a title shot anyway?
1: Well, it's like Tully said about uh, you gotta be able to cross that <laughs> threshold. You're almost the tag team champions, but you gotta do that one little thing, and that means winning one more match.
0: It's it's fine. I I, I like it. I think it's a good good way to set up a gauntlet match. I I don't really like FTR's, like, explanation. I think this turn has been, unfortunately, a little bit convoluted of, like, God, I even forget that Dax Harwood, like, had that knee injury. And him having to explain that he faked the knee injury just to see who would be on his side. It does make sense, but, like, it's one of those things that, like, I feel you really have to rack your brain to remember, oh, yeah, he did that, and therefore he did this rather than I think like something that's a bit more clean. And I think, you know, easier to just like a moment where you just say, okay, I could see why he turned on this person.
1: it, it, it I, I didn't really like it. I, I didn't mind this at all. I think that the whole thing about FTR is that, you know, these guys are insincere and they're for lack of a better term, they're working hangman page, but page is a guy that gives the benefit of the doubt. And all FTR is leaning on is creating plausible deniability because this sucker is going to fall for it, and they're just stringing this guy along. So I think they're just trying to explain all of their actions, and in the end, I think it's going to be Hangman Page's onto these guys that they are actually trying to fuck him while the other ones, the elite, actually do have this guy's back.
0: So you don't think he only faked that knee injury just to see whether or not the Bucks would follow him to the back? uh no i don't i think they just did that
1: to get out of the match and leave the bucks for dead
0: oh interesting okay that's that would be a um, good good interpretation as well
1: I, I i don't mind anything they're doing with FTR. like i'm really enjoying ftr's stuff right now like to me i i didn't think they could hold off doing the bucks match and here we are and to me it's like on the program it's it's somewhat subtly said, but it's like both sides are having these awesome matches. You want to see this showdown, uh, but they're going to make you wait for it. And they're, they've come up with all these other stories to kind of put the uh, barriers in place until you get to that. And I think it's going to be such a big match when they finally get to
0: that tag match. I think so, too. Yeah. Um, if not this cycle, then really any time. I don't think you have to do it at all. out. It almost seems that that would be... Too soon to do
1: it. I, I could see one or the other getting the tag title shot, and there's no need to rush that, that program yet. I, I think you could wait till the next pay-per-view.
0: Yeah, I don't think it will be with the way that this was set up right now.
1: No, no. Darby Allen is back, and he took on Will Hobbs, who's been a regular on AEW Dark. Taz calls Darby a snake, a heathen, a banshee, and a punk, all four at once. Mike Kyoto was the referee, which Jim Ross said, you know, there's a saying that a great referee is one you don't notice. And I did not notice Mike Kyoto was the referee here. <laughs> so he was giving him a compliment by saying, I didn't even notice this guy was in the ring. Hobbs uh, pretty much just like overpowered Darby. He, uh, Alan escaped, chopped the leg, but then got launched into orbit with this back body drop, hit him with a spine buster, but then Allen fought back, hit an elbow off the middle rope, and then the coffin drop for the pin, uh, just under three minutes. Uh, what'd you think of the match? It was pretty short, but a bit of a showcase for Will Hobbs here. It was He got a lot before losing.
0: I think it's interesting that, like, you know, Allen, despite being the bigger star, clearly, um, he's still portrayed as an underdog against somebody who is essentially a jobber here. Uh, but it it's what works for him he works best in a match where he looks like the underdog against somebody who's larger Um, so I thought the match turned out really well for something really short Taz gets
1: up from the announcers area and tells Darby that team Taz is flourishing and we've got a new n- a new member and his name is Darby too only he's bigger and stronger than you you schmuck uh, this guy is channeling more of Joe Pesci every week, and I love it.
0: Joe Pesci? Yeah, yes. okay. I could see that.
1: I, I really think that that's a bit of a character, uh... Just trying template. to
0: picture Taz in Home Alone.
1: D- don't think Home Alone. Think of, like, oh, yeah. many other roles for, no, for Joe Pesci. I'm, thinking of I'm, w- I'm waiting for someone to laugh at Taz and ask if he...
0: Think I'm funny? I'm thinking of Taz in Home Alone, and who would be, um... Daniel Stern, um, Brody Lee. Uh I don't know. I'm tall and skinny. Darby could be Macaulay Culkin. Oh, <laughs> I made. Well, my you might get the real disappear. <laughs> you could. Keep, uh, how long until Macaulay Culkin actually makes an appearance in AEW?
1: Uh, he's probably been invited. I mean, he ditched mm-hmm. WrestleMania after Goldberg won the title, so maybe maybe he's looking at AEW as a as an alternative I once crowds get back.
0: He might he might be watching every week.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's used to being in empty spaces, so <laughs> <laughs> come up with a gimmick match for them. Uh, so out comes Ricky Starks, dressed as darby allen, and dude i I thought this looked so amazing lame. what I
0: thought oh. this was awesome dude uh,
1: where I, Where this was going, I was like man this is this looks really dumb oh this is amazing so he cuts this silly promo about just mocking Darby and living his nightmares. I like skateboards, and you shred my back open with those thumbtacks because life is a joke. And all the while, Darby is paying attention to him. Brian Cage jumps him from behind and hits him with the FTW title. And Starks charges the ring, pours water on the man, and says, I don't need face paint to be somebody, and I'm always going to be better than you, Darby. They attack him with the skateboard. This poor guy gets beaten with this skateboard every other month. And then Starks climbs the turnbuckle and (laughs) comes off the second turnbuckle with the lamest coffin drop, and that ends uh, the segment as darby was just beaten to a pulp
0: here i thought this was great as soon as like you know they revealed that it was ricky starks doing a darby allen impression um i thought it was hilarious first of all um him trying to do like emo kid <laughs> like him trying to do darby was very entertaining it was very funny and then what i loved most about it though was as soon as the attack took place he discarded the comedy and got into a super super serious uh, again, very violent, like type of promo and 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 beat down, and it showed to me like again starks versatility as a performer um his ability to not just be able to do comedy but then to convert it into a very serious angle uh at at the next point so in a short amount of time and a very very few short amount of appearances, I feel like Ricky Starks has just shown so much.
1: Sammy Guevara came out during the commercial break and He had his cue cards that read, Dear Matt, I want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry I put you out. I'm sorry you can't catch chairs. And then, not only do we get a different message, we also get a different colored font. I'm sorry Sammy is an idiot. Sammy is about to be broken. And at this point, Sammy notices, Wait a minute, these are not my cue cards. But he just can't help himself by revealing what the next messages are. Consider him deleted. And then what made this even better was we watched Matt attack him in the picture-in-picture. And he throws him off the stage through a table. We're, we come back. Matt's got a chair. He beats the hell out of him with this chair. There were a lot of attacks on this show. There were a lot of people left laying from start to finish on this show. I mean, you have to set up a lot of angles
0: for next week's yeah. show and also All Out. There's
1: a lot of violence here. So uh, the referees come out to stop Matt, who had hijacked the cue cards. This was quite the heist by Matt Hardy. And they're going to have a tables match on Thursday.
0: I guess it would have been awkward if he didn't have, like, a different color pen.
1: Yeah, I guess they really wanted to to note the, the change in tone here with the color.
0: You know, I like I like the fact that that um, for once, like one of these picture-in-picture things featured something that, like, was important, and that you couldn't have just skipped.
1: No, no, I, I always th- think the Sammy Guevara idea is really good for that uh, picture-in-picture or, or what they do on AEW Plus, where you can pay attention to it. Then we had a promo, a taped one from Thunder Rosa, the NWA Women's Champion. Who says the people have been asking for it? She's here to help the women's division and actually put it on the map. And she challenges Hikaru Shida for all out. And she only cares about coming here to win the title. So they're going outside of AEW for the next women's title match. I'm, it doesn't surprise me, but it's it's interesting the fact that they they didn't have any challengers ready or available,
0: and they're bringing in Thunder Rosa, who you know is a very good performer. I was really excited to see it, and you know, Thunder Rosa has been really vocal about getting this spot ever since Hikaru Shida announced something like this, uh, like dating back to probably a month ago. So I, I do wonder if it was all just like a smart ploy because they maybe she already knew she was going to come in and really building up that like fan, um, I uh, I don't know, anticipation for her. Uh, I think she's done a tremendous job online trying to get people, you know, to campaign for her to to get this role. And whether or not that it was already pre-planned par- prior to it all, uh, the effect is to me at least, you know, a match that I'm far more excited for than I think anything any other competitor you could have put Cheetah against from the AEW roster. Fact is, like nobody is seen as a big deal right now, um, other than like a Britt Baker or Nyla, Nyla Rose and people that Cheetah has already kind of gone through. So for a special attraction to have the AEW Women's Champion go up against the, against the NWA Women's Champion. Uh, on a pay-per-view where most of your fans are hardcores that I I would hope would at least, you know, recognize the value of the NWA championship, if not Thunder Rosa herself. I think it's a really, really good move.
1: Then we had the uh, finals of the AEW Women's Tag Team Cup tournament with Aveda Scott joining uh, Shivani, Taz, and Jim Ross. And she puts over Thunder Rosa as one of the best in the world. And we've got the whole uh, Women's Tag uh, Tag Team Cup tournament presentation. We have Shaw Guerrero as the ring announcer and Outcome Ally and Brandy accompanied and this was keyed on the screen by Little Brand Brand.
0: Little Brand Brand.
1: Yeah. The action figure. Yeah. Along with QT and Dustin Rhodes. So they work over Brandy at the beginning. She crawls over, tags Ally Evilise is then fighting out of their corner. She spins out, suplexes Allie, and then crawls towards Evilise, making the tag. Uh, there was a spear by Brandy to Diamante. Allie hits her finisher. It gets broken up. Then Diamante drops Allie. QT gets onto the apron and is knocked off by Evilise. She turns around, and Brandy gets knocked onto QT on the floor, and we get the wheelbarrow stunner by Diamante, followed by Evilise hitting a snapmare and a rolling kick, pinning Allie. So they win the tournament, Ivelisse and
0: Diamante. You know, I I thought the match was like decent. You know, it, it, there was nothing to me that was all that glaring that made you say like, oh, man, this doesn't really. It was certainly like below a standard that I think you would see uh, not just on Dynamite, but even in like a WWE women's um, wrestling. Um, uh, sorry, women's da- division. Um, but, you know, I don't think the match was like embarrassing or anything. I thought it was, in fact, like very passable. And ultimately what you're left with is just a spotlight on these two new women in the women's uh, division in AEW and I- Lisa and Diamante.
1: Yeah. I didn't think it was, um, I didn't think it was a great match, but it was, it was, it was what it was like. I-, I thought it was like an average match on, on the, on the show. Um, you know, it relied heavily on Allie in there as well. Um, Brandy was an awkward fit here. I thought Brandy was an awkward fit on this show, playing this character, knowing the angle that was to come, and that's kind of been the story of Brandy. Like she's her character is all over the place. It's very hard to define what her character is on a weekly basis.
0: Why? 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 Like why? Because can't she there's be weeks. A competitor and also you know person's wife.
1: Uh, it's not that. It's the fact that she's playing this heel. That's it's all gone to her head, and then she's playing a completely different character at the end of the show. Like if you watch the road to special for, for tonight's episode, I mean, she's, she doesn't even know the names of her opponent. She's screwing up the names and it's all about pushing the, pushing the action figure and that she's, she's the, the chief branding officer and that she is above all the women.
0: Yeah, it's true. Like her and like the team being a heel. Being when a you heel have team.
1: Dustin and QT who are not heels, but they're aligned with, Brandy, who is a heel, Ali. We don't really even like Ali. At first, was like playing, you know, the gold digger with uh, QT, and that's kind of been minimized now. And it's more the focus is on Brandy. I think it's just, it's just a lot going on. That I think it's, it's certainly not a streamlined story, and is kind of all over the place. And maybe tonight's angle is a hard reset on all these characters for the Nightmare Family. Maybe medusa presents the trophy and they were presented with roses which they just threw to the ground and waved their flags i kind of like that spot as well I-, I thought they really had something here with diamante and evil they were the right team to to win this thing and we'll see what they do with them next i mean god knows this
0: division needs uh more talent and these are two of them i like them a lot as a tandem um you know i think they fit really well together um and yeah we shall see like if they p- continue with tag teams or if they just split them off into singles runs
1: for thursday they are teeing up chris jericho will be back on commentary there's the tag team gauntlet match with the natural nightmares the young bucks best friends and ftr matt hardy against saman Guevara in the tables match the john moxley mjf contract signing and the handicap match with Britt baker and big swole uh, presumably with penelope ford and rebel involved i guess uh yeah yeah or at least Penelope Ford. I think make, uh it's a three-on-one. Three-on-one. Okay. Cody and Brody Lee for the TNT Championship. Uh they make their entrances. Cody goes right after Brody, and Brody comes out of the corner and levels him with this drop kick. And all of a sudden, it becomes uh Brock Lesnar and John Cena from SummerSlam. It is Brody dominating this guy he dumps Cody to the floor tosses him over the rail there's a running boot then he throws the chair away he's a madman everyone is screaming in fear of Brody Lee he brings Cody back into the ring half and half suplex they got this great shot of Arn, who just looks like oh my god what did we get ourselves into there's a release German super kicks Cody can't get any offense going he power bombs him twice discus lariat and he pins Cody in 3 minutes and 10 seconds, they showed the shock of the members of the audience, Sonny Kiss looking stunned. This
0: was like a one-sided beatdown by Brody Lee. I love this booking. You know, if you're going to try to make an impact and put a guy over, uh, this is how you do it. Brody Lee, like initially when they announced the match, was not a choice for a title change that I really saw coming. And I wonder if that's simply because you know, like, Dark Order has been... Um, they've, they've been doing a whole lot more on the show, but Brody Lee himself hasn't felt like a very big threat in a singles competitor, um, like, setting. He He's just been more so somebody lurking in the background, and really, even this title challenge kind of came out of nowhere. But <laughs> what a way to make a statement, you know? Um, and him winning in this fashion totally makes him legitimate again after that Moxley loss. Even, like, the comedy on BTE... I don't think really holds back the group at all. In fact, I would say BT has really allowed somebody like Brody Lee to really find an original personality and it's helped flesh out the personalities of the mem- other members of the group. And now you've given him in-ring credibility by putting him a, a, a belt on him, defeating a three month long inaugural champion and in Cody like this. Uh, and, and the closing angle, of course, was great too.
1: Yeah, we'll get into the angle, but just overall, I mean, I, I'm sure there's going to be people that will say, oh, why not this guy instead of Brody Lee? The fact was they picked someone to go all in with. And I think this is something that so badly is necessary in in WWE. Like you want to make someone, you can go out there and just do something so shocking that it can rehabilitate someone or it's the ultimate first impression. If you're just
0: just want to set the entire tone of the show uh, off um why, why do you think somebody would complain about it because i mean isn't the purpose of a belt like this and booking like this to give somebody new a chance and is brody Lee not somebody who is new he's not I young get, but he's new
1: that, well that would be that would be the argument it's like you have a ton of talent and i'm not disagreeing with this i thought that they did a great job here and they feel that like to me this was a huge angle they can come back with Uh, Any number of scenarios after this, whether it be the rematch, whether it be the Dark Order against the Nightmare Family, um, the angle itself, Uh, Dark Order comes out to celebrate. Shivani is tasked with going to talk to Brody Lee, and Lee says, no one thought that they could do this. No one believed in me or the Dark Order. People like Tony created this monster, meaning Shivani, not Khan, and this title brings the power. A stretcher is brought out for Cody. You've got Arn, who is just fantastic of everything in the post-match. He's asking Cody if you can hear me. Cody puts the thumbs up like he's Orange Cassidy. And then the Dark Order approaches. And Arn tries to fight them off. And they beat down poor Arn. Brody kicks him. They bring Cody back on the stretcher. And Dark Order tips him over. And Brody's got a black bag. And we don't know what's in it. And he blasts Cody over the head with this bag. And he poses with the title. They bring out Dustin and QT who have been beaten down and are just laid down with Cody like these are sacrifices. And then finally Brandy runs out and she's shielding Cody and they set Anna Jay on Brandy. And Anna Jay chokes out Brandy with a rear naked choke. The announcers were phenomenal here. Taz calls it a new world here in AEW. They reveal inside the black bag are the broken pieces that made up the old version of the TNT title that Brody Lee had last week. And Jim Ross says, a new day has dawned. And what does the future hold? This to me was like AEW having eight months to go back and redo that closing angle that everyone hated last year with the Dark Order and do it in a more meaningful
0: way. And I thought they achieved that. I uh, totally agree. I mean, I'd almost forgotten about that that entire thing, but um, I think you're approaching it now with a more legitimate leader, of course, in Brody Lee. Um, and uh, again, a more fleshed out Dark Order. I can actually name every member of the team at this point. So um, this was fantastic. And Brody Lee delivered on the promise. We know what he meant now by, I'm going to give the old one back to you.
1: Yeah, I mean, it all tied in together. I think that this sets up, number one, um you know you should should cody like what do you do with cody at all out that's Uh, what i thought too like coming back in two weeks for this pay-per-view is almost too quick
0: i think okay is it two weeks let me just two weeks from tonight two weeks from tonight wow okay uh yeah that might be a little bit early um i i think the the show calls for some presence from him uh, but you know I certainly I think they're going to do the match on the pay-per-view you think you'll they'll do immediately Cody versus uh Brody Lee, eh?
1: or if they don't do that it would be like the nightmare family against the dark order I could see them doing that before they go one or the other seems to be the logical ones but to me like you've got an amazing promo from Cody but you, you could certainly lengthen this out as well um I, I think there's a number of directions you can go with here
0: I personally feel like you can get away with the multi-man match, even if it was on a pay-per-view, because I mean, you have enough spotlight um and, and enough draw in the other title matches that I don't think you need the TNT title defended on that one too. gives a bit more chance for like in storyline for Cody to recover from injuries. And you save this title rematch for like another big addition of TNT uh, of, of dynamite itself. Yeah. So huge angle to end the show off with and
1: taking the TNT title off of Cody. Um, and you know, really doing a
0: huge angle with with Brody Lee. So um, great, great angle. I, I really didn't expect them to do a title twi- switch on a Saturday show, but I, I love the idea. It tells the audience that you can't miss any episode of Dynamite, even the ones that aren't on Wednesdays.
1: Yeah, and very ballsy to do a match layout like that for Cody, one of your top baby faces. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw it with Cena a few years ago that. You know, again, it was really trying to establish Brock by presenting a match that you would never have assumed you would see, like, just so one-sided. And I, I kind of like deviating. And, I mean, it was great for Brody Lee. Cody is Cody's Cody. Um, I think you've given him a super hot program uh, to come back with uh, based on whatever the follow-up is to all of this. Mm-hmm.
0: So that was dynamite overall. Way, uh, what did you think of the show? I thought it was a strong episode of dynamite. And again, I wouldn't really have expected it. Uh, you know, I, if they if this was, a, I would say maybe a more low effort dynamite, I don't think I would have been all that surprised. Given you know the fact that it was on a different night and they're going, they are kind of going up against NXT. But not only did they deliver like you know consistently strong quality in ring, they gave you a title switch with Brody Brody Lee and, and and Cody here. So I thought this was one of the stronger dynamites. I think. Uh, we've had we've had or at least you know of similar quality to some of the stronger ones that we have seen recently
1: they also established you know not not only like Brody lee has now beat hangman page one of the tag champions and cody with the discus lariat you've also trained people to know that a big match could end in three minutes Absolutely. Which i think it's i think it's really good to do that every now and then mm-hmm. and just you know a, a finish out of nowhere so uh, let's go to the forum. Uh, we'll go through feedback and then we'll uh, shift things over to some uh, takeover thoughts. Uh, tonight's show got a 7.78 from the forum. We kick things off, Justin, in New York City, such a great show, Hype for Thunder Rosa versus Sheeta, and the program hummed along, moving a half dozen storylines along smoothly. Great refreshing booking in the main event, commentary of the past weeks has sowed the seeds regarding the damage that Cody was accumulating in previous defenses. Huge for Dark Order to have Lee succeed in such a dominant fashion, more intrigued with them, uh, with Cody than ever, and gives the show a 10 out of 10,
0: so a high rating. We we'll got to Andrew from Cape Breton who says, I love this show. This was definitely worth the wait. I've watched Brody Lee since his days in Shakara coming out to boy band music, and this is the best I've ever seen him. He was a monster who had a dominant performance, and if he was allowed to be that in WWE, he would have been a main event guy. Brody became a main event guy with one match. Cody put him over huge and... The ending was great. Speaking of people having their best matches, I thought both Private Party and FTR had their best AEW match tonight. FTR seemed to have this old-school style match, but it never stopped. The matches in between were good. I liked Ricky Starks. I liked Eddie Kingston. I liked the debut of Thunder Rosa. And I liked AEW making new stars with Ivalice and Diamante. I'm so glad I watched this over TakeOver. 9 out of 10 show. Noah from Vaughn.
1: Unreal show tonight from AEW and that main event and post match was one of the best things AEW has done. Brody feels like the absolute monster. Reminded me of that infamous Brock Cena SummerSlam match where where Cena got no offense And for this match, it was perfect. Cody had bitten off more than he could chew with these weekly challenges, and it finally came back to bite him. The post-match beatdown of Arn, QT, Dustin, and Brandy really solidified this faction as a top unit in this company. Just so many storylines progressed on this show, building to all out, and I'm really looking forward to that gauntlet next week.
0: 9.5 Mimosa Mayhems out of 10. Bruce from Vancouver. Pretty fun show, even if none of the matches themselves were total classics. I'm not sure how to feel about such a one-sided victory for Brody, but it at least gives him and the Dark Order some desperately needed cred. Also, Cody's shown in the past that he is his father's son and knows that the money is in the chase. That aside, the three stars of the show for me were the NWA refugees. Kingston and Starks remain fantastic on the mic, and I'm happy to see both of their stocks rising. And as for Thunder Rosa, I don't know that there's a single talent currently in North America that I'd rather see lock up with Sheeta. Between all of the above and the ongoing after her elite uncertainty, it's nice to have some open ended stories which seem like they could go anywhere. Raymond from Sacramento, top to bottom, a phenomenal
1: show. The best show of the pandemic era. All finishes that made sense, in and out of the ring promos that move stories and characters forward, and an ending angle that will become part of dynamite lore. 8 months ago AEW was at a tipping point because how the dark order beat down of the elite was received. Now they've been pushed strong. BTE has supplanted that and Mr. Brody Lee got the unexpected squash win over Cody. Everything the dark order did at the end was great. So well done. And I haven't even mentioned NWA's Thunder Rosa getting a spot to build to All Out 2020. 10 out of 10 episode. Wow.
0: Listen to the praise for
1: this like This is like dark one of the order, most eh? positive responses we've got like Dynamite, it's it's usually pretty positive feedback, but this is uh certainly
0: peak level. But you know, uh, especially for the Dark Order and and you know, I'm again reminded of just like that that beatdown from last year and really like how I think so many people felt about the Dark Order almost as like the It was but- the lowest point of dynamite. Yeah, it was like uh, like the the joke of dynamite. And mm-hmm. now look at this. Um they've done a tremendous isn't it, job.
1: Isn't it crazy that the closing That night, it was December 18th, the closing shot of AEW was that beatdown of the Dark Order of the Elite, and on NXT, it was everyone swarming the ring to hoist up new NXT Women's
0: Champion Rhea Ripley. That's right, wow, look at the turn, amazing. Here we are. Uh, Kenny says, I don't know how it was in Canada, but on TNT, the first half of, t- of tonight's show was completely ruined by the sound sweetening. You could barely hear the commentary at all. And worse than that, it was all at one level, so nothing done in the ring got any kind of pop. It did get better as the show went on, but the first half was hard to watch. It was pretty loud. I wouldn't say it was ever to a point where it was, like, distracting to me, but it was very noticeable. That said, if the first half of the show was a 2 out of 10, the second half was an eleven. While Ricky Starks was the MVP of the show for me, that main event was just so awesome. While it wasn't a five-star classic, I can't remember a match on any show that told such a great story. I've hated on the Dark Order since the beginning, and now I honestly can't wait to see what's next. Johnny from Saskatoon. It's been a while since
1: I tuned into Dynamite, and I'm glad I did, especially for the stories. My standout is Ricky Starks. I remember seeing him in the NWA re-up, and he turned me into a fan. I'm sure it's been said a hundred times, but he reminds me of The Rock when he was younger. Also, Thunder Rosa showing up was this a new thing? Either way, I think her inclusion and gunning for Sheeta adds some gravitas to the women's division. Brody Lee winning the TV the TNT Championship was a good call. Cody has been defending it nonstop, but now he's free to do other things. And with Brody Lee as champion, I feel it legitimizes his leadership. Him not winning, I
0: feel, would have been detrimental. Andy from London, what an awesome show! Finished with an amazing final segment. The one-sided match was shocking, the post-match Cody stretcher angle drew me in, and the Dark Order beatdown set up so much more going forward. There are times where it looked unlikely, but the Dark Order is surely over as a dominant heel faction now. Long-term storytelling is what makes for great pro wrestling TV, not hotshot gimmicks. AEW has reignited my love for wrestling just when WWE almost killed it. Jackie from Orlando. I don't get it. I'm not
1: a Dark Order fan, and I don't watch Being the Elite or Dark, so I've got no reference point to liking this angle. I know I'm supposed to like this show, but I thought the Dark Order angle was lame. Marvel films show you don't have to know what happens in the comics or Netflix shows to enjoy the main product. With AEW, I feel a lot is asked of me as a viewer. I, like, there's certainly depth to the Dark Order that, you know, you can find. Uh, I wouldn't say so much on AEW Dark. There's not a whole lot of advancement happening on Dark where it's must-see. On being the elite, it's more so, like, it's almost like taking these serious characters and just putting them in a totally different environment where they can be more comedic. But I would say that your enjoyment of tonight's angle would not be contingent on supplementary programming. Like, it's, you know, it's, if nothing else, it's Brody Lee that had set out to attack Cody. He promised that he was going to get his, and... It was just like a dominant beatdown of this faction that's been gaining traction. But I, I, I don't feel this is one where you can't appreciate it or enjoy it if you haven't been watching the other stuff.
0: It, it's hard for me to say because I have been watching Being the Elite, so I've been exposed to like you know the personalities behind the gimmicks, and I have a more, um, I don't know, vested interest. I think in in wanting to see like the group perform now than I did prior. And I do, like, think about, like, what what Jackie is saying and and how back then, you know, in December, I mean, it was a very similar style of beatdown, John, and that was at a time when I knew nothing about the members of the Dark Order, Um, and they were nothing but sort of like a caricature of, a, don't know, a cult, which on Dynamite they are still kind of presented as. So um, I definitely feel like there is something where they can be integrating the two personalities a whole lot more. Um, I definitely feel like they could be showing a lot more of the Brody Lee character on a dynamite. Same with, you know, uh, the other members of the Dark Order.
1: Uh, is that all for feedback? Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. Thanks everyone for your feedback. Let's shift over to takeover. Um, what you have seen so far of the show way, um, what's, what stood out for you?
0: Uh, you know, really everything I watched stood out. Um, the ladder match was uh, very brutal and I think um, delivered on the, I don't know, the violence and the standard that you would expect from a NXT WWE style ladder match. Um, Pat McAfee, you know, um, really impressed. This was not Lawrence Taylor versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, he is clearly a man who is training in professional wrestling, has incredible athleticism that you know, is probably suited well for pro wrestling, um, and has a good mind for being a heel character, and that, to me, was the thing that maybe stood out the most, um, he might have topped D'Angelo Williams for the ooh, best debut, yeah, I remember that, did D'Angelo, did D'Angelo Williams ever, you know, cut promos like Pat McAfee, though,
1: no, no, he didn't do promos like him, but he was just, like, what, a! had that guy just decided to go into wrestling, he would have been phenomenal, um, but just, uh, didn't have an interest in it but what a what a one night he had at that Slammiversary
0: event i guess watching it for me like it does beg the question okay the guy can do it should he be doing it against you know um a guy in adam cole who is your longest reigning nxt champion
1: um i i definitely th- think that there is that That line of thinking that, okay, here's a guy that even in storyline, like he's never had a wrestling match and he's going 50-50. The caveat being like here is a world-class athlete that played in the NFL. So it's not like we're taking a guy out of the crowd that's going competitively with Adam Cole. And I think your audience today, like they are further ahead on that curve that I think understand what this is and – can get into the heel that he's playing and also appreciate the fact that this guy is an athlete and gets added points because of the fact that you could see this guy took it seriously and was willing to do everything. But as much praise as Pat McAfee is getting, when that match was over, it was Adam Cole to me that I I thought was the, the standout. And I think that a lot should be on his shoulders for laying out that match and being the quarterback, pardon the pun, um, in that match. Like they, they built around several key things for Pat McAfee. And I think if you were in there with a less experienced or lesser talent, I don't know if it would have come across as smoothly as it did. I think Adam Cole was a big reason for that being such a success. And if a similar outcome occurs tomorrow night, I'd be saying the same about Seth Rollins. Like you have two really great talents that are in, you know, very tough
0: positions with people that lack experience. Certainly, absolutely. Yeah, um, I thought that match ended up really being really good, and uh, the main event, of course, was uh, not necessarily surprising, you know, that they would do the t- title change. Um, and it resulted in like a really good war between the two that, uh, in order for, for Cross to get it, but it, it serves up for a great chase for Keith Lee.
1: Yeah, just looking at the results here. The pre-show, it was a uh, Brizongo defeating Danny Birch and Oni Lorkin and Joaquin Wild and Raul Mendoza in the number one contenders match. They were just really limited by they had seven minutes. Um, Raul Mendoza, I mean, he was going to use every minute possible to stand out, and I thought he did in that match. Finn Balor and Timothy Thatcher. Um, this, you know, if you like this. If you like the Timothy Thatcher style, uh, Balor was someone who could work that style. And I I really got into this. I like this as a change of pace. Uh, They went 13 and a half minutes. I thought it was a really entertaining match. It ended with uh, Balor, who had been uh, favoring his ankle throughout the match, which Thatcher was working on, finally hitting the coup de grace in 1916. And this probably sets him up for something bigger coming out of this takeover um, beyond this. But I, I really liked the match.
0: I look forward to it. It's the one I'm, you know, probably looking forward to, uh, the most of the ones I haven't seen. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean the ladder match, it it was violent. They planned out a lot of different intricate spots involving the five of them. And even Candice LeRae, who I thought was a nice addition for the spots she was in. I've just, I think when it comes to, especially with multi-man ladder matches, I feel I've just, I've hit my quota. So I don't know how much these matches are going to have an impact on me, but I, I can appreciate the effort that goes into these and the amount of damage that these five are doing as well to get these matches over. I just think it's very tough in this day and age to hit that bar of where we've seen everything in these, these ladder matches. But it was uh, it was an intense 21 minutes, and I would say doing a ladder match in front of uh, the N-extras, it would be better than the crowd reaction we got
0: on friday on smackdown in the uh in the thunderdome that's our, that's what i was thinking about i mean you know say what you want about like this whole extras thing but like i definitely prefer it to canned audio in front of like blank staring fans on a zoom call um they i thought the the extras in the um full sale uh, full added a whole lot especially to the reaction to this match
1: and they did up Full sale a lot differently, like with the triple X logo at the beginning and the mm. big pyro display at the beginning. Um and really got to shine for Killer Cross's entrance. Like that thing, I mean, granted, it's it's not the same as if they could pull that off in a, in an arena, but it still looks really damn cool, that entrance. Yeah. Uh and Io Shirai, Dakota Kai, have you seen that yet? Not yet. I love that match. I thought that was a really fantastic match that these two had. Um Main event with uh Keith Lee and Karrion and Cross. Um I thought it was good. It it didn't to me get to the to the great level. Um they went twenty-one minutes, fifty seconds. Uh Karrion Kross Cross wins the title. Um maybe a little bit surprising, but like you said, not shocking. It's you know, I think it's a pretty high standard now for an NXT takeover main event. Um these two have you know, it, it, this was also a match that you're not playing to Keith Lee's strengths. It was him selling for a good portion of it. And that takes away a lot of what makes Keith Lee the dynamic performer people get into. Uh, Cross is a fantastic personality. He's a very good performer. Um, you're also talking about a roster that it has your Finn Balor's and your Gargano's. And that's sort of the, the template. Um, so th- this match, I, I would I would definitely not say it was uh, it was bad. I would just say... Uh, it would not be my match of the show, for sure.
0: It was revealed in the uh, conference call that Kieran Cross um Triple H believes that he likely separated his shoulder. They're awaiting an MRI, but um, it appears the injury took place somewhere mid midway through the match.
1: You were on this call. Do you want to go through uh, any of the highlights that Paul Levesque went over?
0: Yeah, he, um, you know, I wouldn't say there was too much that was like major news, but he did talk about Pat McAfee. He... he Said, um, you know, McAfee showed why he was an elite, elite athlete, complimented him on his performance. He doesn't know what his immediate future will be, but he doesn't believe that this was his last wrestling match. Um, talked about the carrying cross thing, hoping that, uh, uh, you know, um, talked about his toughness and hoping that the injury is not too bad, that he can continue working with it. Uh, we didn't talk about this yet, but the return of NXT UK uh, slated for what, September 17th? September
1: 17th, they're coming back and they're going to be taping shows at the BT sports studios in London.
0: Yes. So uh, triple H said that, you know, conversations about working closer with BT sport began even before COVID 19. So I suppose this just just sped things up. He says that they will be operating with minimal staff at these tapings and that, um, teams in the U S including himself, Shawn Michaels and Matt Bloom will be digitally engaging with the UK staff throughout production as if they were there. Um, you know, uh, he was asked again again about the Velveteen Dream thing, and he basically said he does you know nothing more more needs to be said. He's already spoken on it. Um, he said it was nice to see guys like Bronson Reed and Finn Balor work different styles tonight. Uh, talked highly of you know people like uh, Damian Priest and Cameron Grimes and uh, Dakota Kai. He was also asked about Moro and missing the show tonight, and uh, Triple H you know basically said Moro just wasn't available, and he thanked Corey for. Doing a great job. He also thanked former writer Joe belcastro Belcastro, for his contributions. Um, said Belcastro was at a point in his career where he wanted to pursue other dreams and that it was difficult for he- him to leave NXT. And he also said that, uh, the door is always open for his return,
1: right? Um, yeah, so Moro Ronaldo is with his family in Canada right now, and that's kind of all I kind of know about the. The story, but yeah, he was, uh, that was the answer that Paul Levesque gave. And tonight it was Vic Joseph, Corey Graves, and Beth Phoenix calling the show. Um, So we'll see what happens there. Um, Anything else uh, before we move on to SummerSlam? Um, News-wise, coming out of the show, they also mentioned Tommaso Ciampa is going to be back on Wednesday's
0: show. And John Cena is going to be in the Suicide Squad way huge news the biggest news of the here's the thing okay tonight not only did we have a ufc show we not only had nxt takeover we didn't just have AEW dynamite this dc fandom event has been going on and like anytime i check twitter it's like some major announcement from dc like i haven't even caught up with everything yet but um they're basically like blowing their load all at once just revealing trailers about all these plans that they've got and uh i I look forward to catching up with, with, with it all. But as far as like the wrestling um, connection goes, yeah, John Cena announced as peacemaker, a character I'm completely not familiar with, but to know that he's going to be in a James Gunn superhero movie. That's all the, that's all you need to tell me. Yeah. So
1: that's, that's cool news. And, uh, SmackDown, uh, we, Peac- all we have is
0: peacemaker. The- I'm sorry,
1: not peacekeeper, uh, peacemaker. Yes. Um, the SmackDown overnight number, uh, they were up, um, They had 2,168,000 viewers. Um, The final number uh, will be out uh, probably Monday night. And yeah, this would be their highest number since June. So the Thunderdome did give them a bit of a boost. And we'll see what the final number ends up being. But it looks like the Thunderdome did uh, increase interest uh, somewhat uh, as well. As we expected. Yeah, I think everyone thought that there would be some interest. Um, I I still believe. I I don't think it's going to be uh spread out beyond a week so
0: unless the show just gets better i mean you know well well,
1: that's it that's again i'm just saying the thunderdome itself i mean if show quality improves sure but i think the novelty of the thunderdome at most
0: there will be some more interest on raw but i I don't even know if that's going to be the case uh forget the other wrestling tie into this dc thing and it's uh dwayne the rock johnson's um role as black adam so they released a number of trail uh, teasers for that. Wow, it was a busy day. Very busy, yeah.
1: Okay, and it's going to be a busy day on Sunday. Uh, we've got SummerSlam coming up, and let's just quickly go through the card here. We've got eight matches announced so far. I would be surprised if we don't get some added on tomorrow. I mean, there's a two-hour kickoff show alone. So um, if they don't add any, I'll be a very happy man if we are talking about eight matches uh, beginning at wherever they do the first kickoff match, and we're we're done by 10 o'clock. I mean, that would be amazing.
0: Really? Like, come on, do everybody a favor. Certainly do your um, virtual audience a favor, and really just tell them to show up at, like, 6.30. Give them a break, okay? You've seen how tired these people get already for a two-hour show. You don't want to exhaust them by hour three of this SummerSlam. So I
1: wonder, I wonder if they tinker with anything as early as SummerSlam, because I think like the audio was the biggest complaint on Friday.
0: I have to imagine, you know, the question, of course, is how much time they've had to really tinker with things between, you know, Friday and Sunday with the crew yeah. that I'm sure at this point is already quite exhausted having to set this thing up and also do all their practice runs. Uh, so we shall see. But um, eight to me sounds like it's plenty.
1: So we had uh, let's start here with uh, Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton for the WWE title. I think this is the most interesting match on the show. I think they've done a really strong job building this thing up. Um, And I think that you can certainly make the argument that Randy Orton has been the top performer in this company for months that you could put the title on him and you could set up uh, the, the rubber match with Edge because... You've won a match. I've won a match. Mimosas.
0: Um,
1: but at the same time, this year has been about Drew McIntyre and making him the top star. I would say it is not time to take the title off him. Um, I think two, two arguments you can make. And
0: I, I kind of lean towards Drew keeping the title here. I think they should take directly from the playbook we saw tonight on NXT uh, and AEW and do a big title change, uh, especially in the case of NXT, where I think if you're serious with a new heel, and if you're serious even about a baby face, give the baby face somebody to chase to get revenge, and I think that's what you're, you'll are you see here. I think Randy Orton has been on fire, and him holding the belt makes for, um, and I think reinvigorates the division quite a bit, and also gives Drew McIntyre a big target for him to chase, perhaps leading all the way up to WrestleMania, if you can drag it out for that long. Uh, so I think Orton is too good of a, of a contender to just extinguish in, in one match.
1: Well, I don't I, – I see Drew potentially – come well, we've also got payback next weekend. So, I mean, if you're going to do a big angle, uh, this is certainly one of the candidates to do it with um, because you've got to come back next week with, with a pay-per-view. Um, and, and it could very well be that we get some kind of non-finish uh, in this match. Because I don't see it in the universal title match. That, I think, has to end. Uh, this is the one. This is match number one. Yeah. And they have no other contenders for Drew's setup. It's like, it's Orton and, I mean, they kind of extinguished. laugh. It's like, Orton, Rollins, you've already done with Drew. I don't know if you want to revisit that so quickly. And the draft is not till October when you can, you know, kind of uh, re-engage and... Flip the roster members
0: in hindsight. I feel like they really could have played their cards a little bit better, and maybe you could have done the Bailey Sasha tag team match on this show and do the double, you know, uh, title defense for payback just so you could spread the singles to title defenses a little bit more. Um, because you're right, like payback, we don't really know what the singles title matches are going to look like, and I don't think it's any excuse to like give a fuck finish on a, a SummerSlam, which is arguably a bigger show. Although that doesn't mean a whole lot these days. Um, but it'll certainly like leave your like a really sour taste in your audience's mouths. If you're just going to do a fuck finish on this one just to delay the thing to next week.
1: And they really do have the, the ultimate way to do the, the fuck finishes with this retribution angle.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> Talk about a way to like make a bad situation even worse. Ugh.
1: Because if you're going to do this big thing and they shut down the show or something, like that has to be the last image of the show. And I think that would be a really tough way to end the show. Do
0: us a favor, Retribution, if you're listening to this. Shut it down at the kickoff so we don't have to sit through the rest of it. If you're going to shut it down, shut it, shut it down early.
1: Yeah, I... Yeah, I'm really torn on this one. I really... I'm not going to have a negative response to whichever way they go here. And for all we know, I mean, this could very well be one where we don't really get a finish, and they come
0: back with this next weekend. What main event? I think Drew and Randy has to main event. And you think we can get a non-finish for a main event? Of course. Yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It wouldn't be my preference, but I... It's
0: It's got a main event, I mean, the tagline is you, you know... You don't see it coming or whatever, right? That's, yeah, the finish. You won't see
1: coming. Uh, Street Profits against Andrade and Angel Garza for the Raw tag titles. Um, I am not torn about this one. Um, This one can go either way, and that'll be just fine with
0: me. I really don't care at all uh, about this one. Um, They spent a lot of time doing the poison thing. (laughs) For what reason? We
1: have no idea. The man's already rehabilitated himself. He's fine. And then he beat, uh, Andrade on Monday. So I don't know what we're watching here. Why I'm compelled to see, uh, Tez, uh, get his second revenge tomorrow night. I think of that a poison is what they need for. Ooh. For okay. That's 80 gallons of poison. Yeah. Now you're talking Apollo Cruz and MVP. Contrary to popular belief, Apollo Cruz is already the champion. Um, yeah, we got uh, the
0: more compelling competitor is going to be in catering with Shelton Benjamin. I don't care about this one either. I mean, this to me feels like it's just another raw match that they're using to delay the Bobby Lashley Apollo Cruz match, which there's a good chance you might see a payback.
1: Seth Rollins, Dominic Mysterio. This one I am interested in. We've got the street fight. Uh, Rey Mysterio in Dominic's corner. Murphy with Seth Rollins. Um, I have as much interest in this as I did with like Adam Cole and Pat McAfee, where I was really intrigued to see what they pulled off. And I think that, again, this is going to be one uh, probably not uh, the same kind of uh, layout as we got tonight. But I I have faith in this match that it's going to get a lot of attention and preparation ahead of time that Dominic is going to be put into a light where he's going to shine. And you've got the edition of Rey mysterio as well and you will have all the bells and whistles that a street fight can provide so
0: i'm not too worried about this one totally agreed i think the story has been really strong i think dominic and all the appearances we've seen him has like more than delivered i think what's been asked of him um and i think this will probably be no different um so yeah i also look forward to seeing how the story progresses and how good dominic mysterio is at this point how do you how does this one end yeah, good question, actually. This one might be a bit tough because
1: can Dom. I mean, with Ray there, I think it changes it because had this been the original match, it's just the one on one match. I could have seen like Seth wins a really hard fought match and Dominic kind of gets over in losing that he puts up a fight with this guy. With Ray there, I think it's a lot tougher to beat Dominic after Ray literally had his. Uh, flux capacitor, whatever the hell's going on in his eye, um, and the gigawatts inside of it, that uh, were, were just rolling on
0: the floor at the last pay-per-view. This man needs to get some modicum of revenge, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and I think it's for that reason, and I think I, I do see Seth Rollins uh, winning this one, probably by cheating, um, and then it's ultimately setting up for... Tag match the next week. Uh, I guess a tag match, or you know, some some form where... Rey Mysterio could ultimately get that revenge. Yeah. Uh, the women's title
1: matches. So we have established that it's going to be Bailey versus Asuka first. And that's right, right? Yeah. Yes. So Bailey and Asuka first, followed by Sasha Banks versus Asuka. How many titles is
0: Asuka leaving SummerSlam with? I think one. Uh, I think it'll be the Raw Women's Championship from Sasha Banks. Uh, I think she loses the first match. And then goes on to win the second to end the night strong. And in fact, like can you see the Banks match even main eventing?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: I think it's possible, but yeah, I'd probably say Orton McIntyre over it.
1: Um what do you think? I'm with you. uh I, I'm with you. I could I could certainly see where Sasha is there in the corner and helps Bailey and then Bailey doesn't do her part and Sasha ends up losing. Man, we we everything we're laying out here could be like some really contrived finishes. Oh, yeah, guaranteed. And I'm hoping they don't go it's it's kind of the WWE mentality you get into of okay, we've booked this match, how do we get out of it uh by by not hurting anyone or hurting the loser the least. And it just instead of just what we saw tonight that works so well, Brody Lee and Cody, there was no oh, this is going to hurt Cody so much. He can't stand to lose this. It's like No, we this week's story is the balance of power is so far in Brody Lee's favor. How is Cody going to respond and come back to this? And I think that's something that so often promoters are so scared to do because it's this idea that, oh, my God, Cody's dead now. The complete opposite is true.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Um, I can't even begin to imagine what craziness you'll see in some of these finishes.
1: Which takes us to Braun Strowman and The Fiend in a Falls Count Anywhere match
0: for the Universal title. Is this the end of the road for these three? These two? Holy shit, I hope so. Um, I don't see where they can go. I mean, they've already been to The Swamp. They're going to go do a Falls Count Anywhere match. Um, I certainly don't want to see an- another match between these these two. It's already been too much. Uh, but now Are you, you putting the
1: title on The Fiend?
0: Yeah, I think so. Ooh. Because um, I think Bronze just not been that great as a champion. No. I'm not going to say The Fiend is going to be that much better. But I think it'll be better than Strowman.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. It's uh, My biggest complaint of this feud is that the title has been attached to it. I think people would be a lot more forgiving if this was just its own thing that was detached from everything on SmackDown. And just like the classic Undertaker program that it was removed from the title picture. And he was just fighting the um, the science fiction character of the month. Um, but we're fighting for the title here. Um, uh, I, I don't know what this will be. I'm not looking too highly on either of these two as champion
0: coming out of it. What role and, does Alexa play?
1: Uh, she's got to get involved, certainly.
0: And she's got to help the Fiend win, right? <sighs> or she helps Braun win. What, after she got military pressed? Yeah, which Stockholm syndrome do you think she'll succumb to? The person who, uh, kidnapped her and stuck his fingers down her mouth or the person who military pressed her?
1: I think regardless, we're getting Alexa as a heel, and the question is, who is she aligning with? They've done little hints of The Fiend, like, as this babyface against Braun. Um, I I, I could see, yeah, Alexa leaving with one of these two, and with the title. So I think Alexa plays a huge factor in the finish of
0: this. I think Alexa playing, like, you know, sort of like a Sister Abigail type attached to The Fiend is, at the very least, visually interesting. Whether or not that's going to be good for like a good use of Alexa Bliss's talents and abilities and whether or not it leads to her continuing to wrestle in the women's division. That I have another question uh, about because it, it is. Is this all Braun's plan to get into
1: Bray's head using Alexa who has shown compassion for the Fiend and it's all this plot by Braun and Alexa?
0: Uh Sure, I mean it's possible. I don't think so. I don't think that's really where it's going. Um, because what are you saying? Like, despite being super crazy, Braun Strowman right now, he's still got a very strategic mind. Someone, one of these two has to come out of this
1: as a babyface. And the problem with this is that there's no sympathy in this match for Braun Strowman. Yeah, I, I yeah. I don't know. I don't like this storyline at all. No, and bad. I'm not, and I'm not holding my breath that it's going to. Uh, 24 hours from now, I'm gonna say, oh, it all made sense in the end.
0: <laughs> oh, you should wait; you got to see the full story.
1: But let's end on a strong note. Uh, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville. I think these two. Uh, I mean, th- this past week aside for what they've had to deal with. Uh, what an excellent program this has been. And under normal circumstances, this, Christ, I would be arguing like if if you're taking Drew and Randy Orton out of the mix. <laughs> this has as strong an argument as anything on this card to close the show. If they had the hair stipulation, what, what what bigger stipulation could you end the show off with than one of these two getting their head shaved?
0: I mean, even with the stipulation, I feel like it's the, it's the match with – sorry, even without the hair stipulation, it's still the match with the biggest stakes. You know, the, the, the thing that will change the most for the person – the people that are involved. With yeah, we,
1: we we really don't know what's going up or what what's going on here, but, you know, clearly it, it it's pretty, you know – assume that the loser of this, which I could definitely see being Sonia, is going to take some time off.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, regardless of the outcome, I mean, I expect to, this to be an incredibly emotional performance, um, like on a real world level.
1: Just it, the, it, Here's a question. If this had been in a normal setting, what reaction would these women get? Oh my God, it would be I, a pause, I, yeah. Yeah, like I, it's a really, well, I was, um, my father-in-law was over the other night And he was asking me about this. And like it was, you know, it's certainly a story that has gone outside of just wrestling news cycles. I I couldn't imagine you would either get a crowd that would be understanding like, okay, we're supposed to boo because that's what we're told to do. And they'd certainly be going, they'd probably have Sonya cut a promo on the audience. Mm -hmm. But I think when you get into that match, that crowd would be going nuts for these two and be treating both like baby faces. Like no one would be booing these two.
0: Completely, completely, and you know what? Like at some point, even if there were live people there, I don't think you really fight against it. I think you just like embrace the fucking moment, like because I think everybody is aware of just the incredible obstacles that that these two mentally would have to go through in order to put on a performance for the audience's entertainment, and I think it, everybody will appreciate it. And the moment hopefully will feel like. Yeah, you know, very special, and I hope the match goes like perfectly for these two. I'm cheering for them. I think the world is for these two to to have the match of their lives, um, and you know, uh, certainly, you know, it'll be an emotional one. Um, do you see? Um,
1: what's yeah, it? Mean, okay. I, I
0: Yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking it's Sonya, because Mandy still has a thing with Otis going on. Um, you know,
1: yeah. It's the only thing that makes sense, but I mean, who knows? We'll we'll see. I hope they have a good performance because I mean, I I think that these two. It's been a great storyline. Like they have been, they have been working on this story since when did this start? February was when like the Otis mm-hmm. stuff started, and it led to you know Sonya being jealous, and you know, and Sonya has just been such a breakout performer this year. So yeah. I I really hope that this uh, this match goes well. Um, and it's a tough like that. We've talked about how hard it is in the performance center. What we watched on Friday, I I would say is a harder environment
0: to have a good match in. It definitely will take people like some getting used to um and I think it'll take like all of us to get used to it just even watching it because it's super it's 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 in some ways even more awkward than like an empty arena.
1: Well, they got to figure out the crowd noise, like whether it's you're just taking artificial noise to enhance the match something like that that needs to be figured out because friday's run through like to me that that cannot be the 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 bar of where it's set like i think you have to make adjustments off that agreed so that's SummerSlam. slam um yeah so, some some stuff i'm very interested in other things i'm totally cold on so it's a it's a very uh it's a very strange card
0: you would figure like if they're gonna announce any matches that they would do it you know like i don't know the night prior it might be just the day of especially
1: if it's just kickoff matches like i can just see that getting revealed on on twitter and stuff through throughout the day there might be impromptu matches for all we know i mean um we'll see but you know some notable stars that are not on this um this did not lead to and granted we do have payback next month or next week so some okay. stuff could be held off like corbin twi- and
0: riddle the twitter saying that um the kickoff Is at five. It's supposed to be at five. Oh weird. Okay. Yeah. The Twitter's um, this tweet saying six o'clock for the kickoff. Hmm. Uh, It's saying we've got a full slate of SummerSlam Sunday programming coming your way, and don't miss the action tonight, starting with a kickoff at six p.m. That'd be great news for me. Well, let's uh,
1: let me go because uh, where was? They've changed it back to six o'clock. Oh
0: yes. Yes.
1: I followed it on this graphic on YouTube, and originally it was 6. Last week, they changed it to 5, and now it's back at 6. So it's one less hour. Oh, that's that's actually great news for that's me. That's the best news. L- listen, the the, the, from 5 to 7 p.m., it's a very difficult time period. So thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, WWE. This has made my day a lot easier tomorrow. So 6 o'clock.
0: Hey, Already a thumbs
1: in the middle show. No expert matter what panel we panel
0: previewing the night's biggest showdowns, okay? And Renee's final
1: show—it sounds like on Sunday.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah,
1: so, um, which presumably did, she'll be hosting.
0: I'm assuming you didn't get a chance to catch um, what is it, the uh, talking smack? Did you? No, I didn't. Have you? Me neither. So, um, can't really talk about it now. But if I you... mean,
1: uh, oh, we well, they added the Falls Count Anywhere step for Braun and Bray on the on the show. That was the only news I heard
0: coming out yeah. of it. Uh, you know, tomorrow we're going to be, uh, streaming for, um, double, double patrons. If any of you guys happen to be double, double plus patrons, uh, and want to call in afterwards, we'd love to hear your thoughts on everything over the week.
1: Yes. So, uh, we look forward to that. We'll be live right after SummerSlam concludes. So, uh, we will look forward to joining or hearing from all of you on the SummerSlam post show. So thanks to everyone for tuning in. You can go check out up next and, uh, thanks to everyone for, um, checking out tonight's show and uh, way for your help uh, on the site tonight for Eric Marcotte, Braden Davey. Uh, There was a lot of stuff to cover tonight. So I was glad we were able to uh, tackle so much of it. And it all starts again tomorrow night at 6
0: PM Eastern time. I'm so excited right now. (laughs) Awesome. Enjoy the tailgate, everybody. Good night.